Due to the nature of one of this week's books, this episode contains brief discussion of rape and forced pregnancy between the 19 and 21 minute marks. Listener discretion is advised. Nonsense, the podcast where two friends dive into the world of romance literature in order to find each other's and your next great lay. I mean, read. <laughs> we'll explore it all classic bodice ripping historical romance, provocative political thrillers, sexy sci fi, and everything in between. Every week, we'll each cover one story, no spoilers. We'll share our favorite moments, which of your favorite tropes to expect, and rate its readability, how hot it is, and how romantic it is. We'll let you know if a book passes the vibe check, share any content warnings to watch out for, and most importantly, is it even good? I'm Lauren. And I'm Kendra. Now let the erotic nonsense begin. Well, hello there. Hi. Oh, hello there. (laughs) (laughs) Um... Well, uh, I don't have any opening chat today. I have literally been consumed by this book and only this book for the last like five days. Oh my God. <laughs> I can't think about anything else. So anyway, how I are you? I finished my book today at about 1 p.m. And nice. for those listening to this, it's about 7.30. So nice. in that time, I did my notes. I did my research. Um, so it's very fresh. Uh, well, that's good. Um Hopefully I won't like blast it all out of your brain with mine because I'm going first I kind of hope and so. I-, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you seem like real jazzed. <laughs> I literally, I'm like, I can't sleep. It's like in my brain. And I I think I remember what you read and I'm real excited. Yeah. Well. God, yeah. I, I've been thinking a lot about um, fanfic since we last recorded and like, I'm like kind of into it and I'm like. I, maybe I should like write some. Like I don't know if you oh had those thoughts. I haven't, but you absolutely should. I mean, I know it would be terrible because I've tried to cre- do creative writing in the past, and it's I'm not good at it. Well, you got to start somewhere. <laughs> but I think that with like fanfic, the whole point is you kind of like have an existing it's body of work that fun, you're working yeah. with. So there's like a shorthand. You don't need to do all yeah. the like excellent character development. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um. Anyway, but yeah. So I this was a long one, and so mm-hmm. it was. We had less than a week between our recordings mm-hmm. yep. this time. And so I was like just pushing really hard to get through it because um, I was working this weekend and everything. But I, d- mm-hmm. I finished it earlier than I thought. Um, anyway. Must have been good. <laughs> I mean, I have feelings. <laughs> so, But we'll talk about it. All right. Um, so, well, why don't we, I mean, yeah. we just dive in. Let's just do it. Okay, because yep. it's going to be long. Yeah. <laughs> um, so... Why don't we, I'll tell everyone what we're drinking tonight, and then we can take a quick break. Sounds good. Okay. So tonight we are drinking Phoenix Tears. Ooh. Um, Based on a potion from the book I read. Um, And so it is kind of a spin on a Negroni. It's uh, one and a half ounces of plantation pineapple rum, which if you have never had this rum, it is so amazing. Um, And then 0.75 ounces each of Campari and sweet vermouth. 
Um, and then just a few drops of, I used a Jamaican number two bitters, but you could use an orange or just omit it. So it's definitely a bitter forward yes. drink. Yes. It's very good. I like it. I, it's- yeah. I am a big Negroni fan and a big Campari fan in general. So this is a slightly sweeter version. Hmm. Um, okay. So let's take a quick break and then we'll dive in. Sounds good. All right. All right. We're back. Let's do this. (laughs) So this week I read, also a fanfic like you last week, Manacled by Senlin Yu. So this uh, fanfiction, I feel like that's a bit of a misnomer for this book because it is a book for sure. Um, It is in fact longer than the longest Harry Potter book. Wow. Um, And so this is a Harry Potter fan fiction. Um, This one is available on Archive of Our Own. Um, And why don't we just start with the back of book? Or a summary? Because it's... Yeah, summary. Okay. Yeah, it has like a summary is how it's written out on AO3. So, all right. Harry Potter is dead. In the aftermath of the war, in order to strengthen the might of the magical world, Voldemort enacts a repopulation effort. Hermione Granger has an order secret, lost but hidden in her mind, so she is sent as an enslaved surrogate to the High Reeve until her mind can be cracked. So, like, obviously... it's like a dystopian Harry Potter. super fucking dark. Um, And so it is, like, listed as a romance, so I would call it, like, it's a dark romance. Mm -hmm. Um... It, it, it's so disturbing. Um, okay. So it's uh, Hermione and Draco Malfoy. Um, and so for the cast, I have Gugu Mbatha-Ra. Do you know her? Um, she is um, a half-black actress. She's British. Um, and she was in um, that movie about Dodo. What's her last name? The, like, half-black um woman that was raised with a white family in the 18th century um she there's a really famous painting of her and her um quote-unquote sister anyway there's a movie about her and um so gugu stars in that movie she also was in um the loki marvel show um but she's been in a bunch of stuff so (laughs) Anyway, and then I have Nicholas Holt as Draco Malfoy. So this one was oh, uh, the great, yeah, yeah, got it, and a bunch of other stuff. <laughs> yeah. So this one was tough for me. So no, sh- so Gugu Mbatha-Raw as Hermione and Nicholas Holt as Draco Malfoy. No, okay, shame interesting. On the Harry Potter actors, um, but I wanted to go in a different direction. Different. Okay. No, yeah, yeah, that's um, interesting. And for Malfoy, I really wanted someone with that kind of like rich upper crust Mm. kind of handsomeness that's like very cold and icy Mm -hmm. um so obviously nicholas holt is hilarious and the great Uh but um he can be super kind of creepy and withdrawn so that's what i was looking for okay okay um but it's a it's a tough one to cast i mean for me it's like what i have in my head is the characters as i imagined them when i read the books originally Mm -hmm. so um all right main tropes or like sort of themes so forced proximity uh and then I have like possessive love or basically the like who did this to you kind of book you know like Mm. obsessive love 
Okay. Um, and it's, yeah, it's a dark romance. So overall thoughts. Um, so this book has 370,503 words. That is compared to the longest Harry Potter book was The Order of the Phoenix at 257,000 words. So it's another 115,000 words more than The Order of the Phoenix. Wow. So like half again as long. (laughs) (laughs) So like, you know, if this were like a bound book, it would be like 900 pages. (laughs) Um, And it is just like a beast. Um, and honestly, I'm like still digesting it, which is why I like can't sleep at night. I'm like <laughs> up thinking about Hermione Granger and Draco Malfoy. Um, and you know, my feelings about it are evolving. So I like started my write up two days ago mm-hmm. and like kind of wrote it all out. And then today I was like, no, everything's wrong. <laughs> I had to go back and like change it based on how I felt after I'd processed it a little bit. So <laughs> this book is just like had me in my feelings like I've been like listening to Hosier and Lana Del Rey I've like fucked up love on the mind it's just like I can't get out of it um haven't been able to start another book so um I kind of thought I knew what I was getting into when I started this book it was like really popular on book talk last like spring and summer and so I saw people talking about it I knew it was like a dark romance uh Draco and Hermione um, yeah, I was not prepared. Um, so, you know, you, the cover art, which I'll show you later, is like very Handmaid's Tale. So like you get a vibe from it initially. Um, but like, I just don't think you can be prepared for it. For me, especially as an elder millennial whose childhood and like coming of age was kind of defined by Harry Potter. Um, you know, like, because the story was such a like touchstone in pop culture, it like was just this like big collective experience um and it helped me understand like what I like about reading and what I like in the books that I read um and then like as I've grown up and seen like what a horrible person JK Rowling is and kind of understood some of the problematic parts of the books while also still loving them and feeling nostalgic for them it's just been like a big part of my like growing up being a person experience (laughs) so like I just if that might feel like I'm like kind of ascribing too much meaning to these books about like a boy wizard. <laughs> I mean, no, absolutely not. <laughs> yeah. And I want to just be clear that when I say that this book, this fan fiction destroyed my childhood, <laughs> I really mean it. <laughs> so, okay. Wow. Okay. Um, now I don't know if I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Seriously. Um, and so just to set the scene a little bit, here is how I see this book having finished it. To me, it's as if George R.R. Martin and Margaret Atwood co-authored the last three Harry Potter books from Hermione's point of view. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. So So is there overlap? It's not like there's overlap between the like canon. Yes, definitely. So um, basically this book, Manacled, is like it was canon up until the beginning of their sixth year. Okay. So everything is the same. They have the same like battle at the Ministry of Magic with Voldemort and the Death Eaters and that's when Sirius dies and uh-huh. all okay. of that is the same. But then um, we start sixth year. Well, this happens like before the book starts, but what happens is they start sixth year and instead of Draco Malfoy chickening out all year on murdering Dumbledore, he just fucking does it like month Day one. two. Oh, okay. Yeah. So wow. it's like October, Dumbledore's dead. Wow. So there's no, Harry never learns about the Horcruxes. Yeah. He never gets like all that training from Dumbledore and never learns all about Voldemort's past. Um, 
And so they never, like, he never had that chance to form a plan, mm-hmm. right? Like they had going into the seventh book. Um, and I don't want to give too much away. Um, I'm going to be, like, trying really hard not to spoil anything. Um, but basically the story is told in three pieces. So the book opens, and it's November 2004. So for a point of reference, the final battle at Hogwarts in the books is at the end of the school year in 1998. Mm. So we are now six years after when everything ended in the books. Okay. And the war is still happening. They're not done yet. Right. Um, or no, sorry. That's wrong. November 2004, six years after the final bat- battle at Hogwarts happens in the books, they are in their young 20s at this point, and the, um, in their backstory appears that, yeah, things were canon up till the sixth year. Um, and then, let's see, jumping ahead a little bit. So, Okay. The book opens in November 2004 and then jumps back to flashbacks in 2002 and then finishes in 2005 and 2006. So it does cover like a long period. Um, And you learn right at the beginning that Harry and the Order were not successful. Harry and almost every single other or every single other Order member is dead. Oh, Harry is dead. Harry is dead. Wow. Yeah. We learn that Hermione's path diverged from Harry and Ron's after after Dumbledore's murder. So she notices that the Order and the Resistance, which is like the wider movement, has like no healers. They've been, you know, the Voldemort takes over the Ministry, labels the Order as terrorists, so they can't be like in society anymore. Mm-hmm. They have no healers. They're like fighting a war. So Hermione's like, I'm gonna go learn how to be a healer, so we don't all die. So she like trains for two years, comes back. And her and, like, Madame Pomfrey are, like, it. That's amazing. It is. (laughs) And actually, like, this part of the book is really cool. Um, The author, like, really expands upon the, like, magic Mm. of the world and the magic of healing in a way that feels, like, super right and fits in with the books, but is also, like, complex and interesting. Mm -hmm. And, of course, Hermione is a badass all the time and, like, learns everything and is amazing at it. Um, Yeah. And so things kind of like were supposed to play out how they did in the books, just with an extended timeline. So the Order and Harry eventually do learn about the Horcruxes, but like they don't know how many there there are. They don't know where they are. Exactly. So they're like slowly trying to find them um, and it takes ages. And then there is a final battle at Hogwarts like in 2002. So like four years later than it would have been in the books. Okay. Um, And... They don't realize there's still one Horcrux out there. And then there's other small differences, like Narcissa Malfoy is already dead. So there's no one to, like, do you remember oh, in the, at so the end? Uh, yeah. yeah. So it's like, what happens if, like, one thing changes and yeah. everything falls apart? Um, and so they lose. Um, and so the big difference, obviously, is that they don't have the last Horcrux. Um, but all right, so let's move on from that. I don't want to spoil those details. I just want you to tell me the story now. It's so fun. Um, but let's talk about uh, the romance for a minute. Okay, great, 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 great. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. What yeah. are we? What are we here for? What, right? Yeah. What's this about? Um, is this a I forgot we were, we were recording. For I know. A <laughs> um, okay. So, like, pretty obvious that if you've got a Draco and Hermione pairing, it's going to be, like, a bit of a dark romance, right? Because how else do you get there? Um, But, and it is, like, about what you'd expect in that regard. Like, Draco is totally intense, super possessive. um, But I actually really enjoyed the, like, romantic parts of this book. Although calling them romantic is, like, really a stretch. Um, 
So if you're into that kind of like, who did this to you all kill them kind of romance, Hmm. this will be your jam. Okay. Can I ask like, who is the one that is being that way? Because like. Good point. Good question. Kind of both, actually. Okay. But I mean, like, Draco Malfoy definitely has that, like, resand from A Court of Thorns and Roses kind mm. of deal going on, but way darker. Because, mm. like, he's a, death, he's a Death Eater still. Right. So, um, anyway. Sorry. I no, just was okay. like, who did what to you now? <laughs> well, we'll get into it more. Okay. But, um, <laughs> so, how they end up getting together. Um, so... Let me wind it back a little bit. So if you like that kind of dark, intense romance, this will be your thing. However, you have to get through some very fucking difficult stuff before you get to any of the, like, even a little bit enjoyable parts. So at the start of the book, Hermione has been kept in solitary confinement ever since the final battle at Hogwarts. And not just solitary confinement, like, by herself. She is in sensory deprivation under silencio so she can't speak she can't make any noise she can't hear any noise it's completely dark she's in a dungeon in hogwarts Fuck. for 18 months oh which is like That's horrifying bad. That's yeah bad. um and then umbridge is the warden of the jail which is what hogwarts has become and comes down and gets her and like wakes her up and then um immediately um, immobilizes her and then casts Crucio on her, which is like so fucked up. Anyway, then takes her upstairs and like introduces her into the breeding program. <gasps> so this is like carbon copy of Handmaid's Tale. Yeah. So all of the like pure blood witches are have a lot of trouble conceiving. So not all of oh. them are like fully barren, but that's really hard for God. them to have children. So Voldemort like is like we'll use all our prisoners to repopulate. Naturally. The wizarding world, right? Um, and so it turns out, like, no one knew Hermione was down there except for Umbridge, because Umbridge, like, hates her so much well, and locked her away. Yeah. Anyway. Um, and so when they find her, obviously, it's, like, a big deal, right? Because she was, like, one of the trio, um, and they thought, like, an important member of the order. Um, so she gets taken into the breeding program um, and is assigned to the High Reeve, who is Voldemort's executioner, general, and, like, all-around right-hand man. Um, and, like, turns out Voldemort is, like, not at full strength. He's, like, you know, mm-hmm. he only has one horcrux left, right? right? So he's, like, pretty fucking sick. Um, and so the High Reeve is, like, doing everything. Mm. Um, and so at this point, we learn, along with Hermione, that Draco Malfoy is the High Reeve. Ah. Yeah, of course. <laughs> um, and this whole part of the book was my least favorite. It is upsetting. Um, and so she gets handed over to Draco. And she has, she, like, remembers him from school, but that's it. She doesn't, like, remember a lot of things uh. about the war. So she has, like, locked off these big pieces of her memory. She doesn't know what's in there. Um, she remembers, like, the war, the final battle. She remembers that she was a healer. She doesn't remember how a lot of people died. And she doesn't, you know, she doesn't, like, know what she's hiding, obviously. It's got a little bit of an unreliable narrator going on. Definitely, okay. yeah. Oh, which is, I love that. <laughs> um, okay. So for all she knows, like, so they're saying that they can't unlock her memories, but there's, like, this trick that if she gets pregnant, then the dad can potentially unlock the memories because of, like, a shared shared DNA with the 
fetus or something, whatever. It's like made up nonsense. But so she gets <laughs> handed over to Draco so that he can impregnate her okay. and then repopulate the wizarding world and discover all her secrets. Naturally. Right. Um, so <laughs> she moves into his manor. He is married. There's like a wife. So it, oh. it's all very Handmaid's Tale. It's like Pansy the same. Parkinson. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. I know this is going on um, for a long time. But so it's like very hard for me to even say what's happening because it's so bad. But he has to rape her five days a month, every month when she's fertile. Uh, she has, they have these like, the name of the book comes from, yeah, the manacles that they wear, which um prevent them from using their magic oh so okay, she can't yeah she has no magic which means she can't even like use occlumency without mm-hmm. her magic um and so she just like lives in his house and waits around for and it's like i mean part of it is compelling you can tell there's something going on with malfoy like he is clearly just as uncomfortable with it as she is he is not cruel but he is like extremely cold and removed uh-huh. um and they do start to like form a sort of i don't even want to call it a relationship because how can you have like a relationship in this situation familiarity yeah com- comfort level of comfort yeah with each other um, and it is very clear that like he's stuck. He has no way out of where he is, and yeah. she, you know, so there's like a sh- bond over shared trauma. I think. And, I mean, like, so yeah, that's like. Sorry, I keep interrupting Ooh. you. <laughs> I have so many. Please thoughts. do. I want you to. <laughs> I mean, that's like kind of part of the argument from the book, right? Of like Dumbledore basically is like, don't let Draco kill me because it's gonna ruin him forever. Yes. So yes, and he is totally fucking ruined. They yeah. are both so ruined and like so traumatized and it's just like this part of the book is just like trauma 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 (laughs) like she her anxiety is like it's visceral you know Mm. and the author just makes you sit with it again and again as she has like full-blown panic attacks and like can't control how she's feeling because she's got all this pent-up trauma she can't access huge parts of herself it's just so hard to read um so, yeah, they start to, like, build this shaky relationship. Hermione does eventually become pregnant after several months. I think it takes, like, five or six months. Um, and she sort of starts to get, like, a trickle of memory that's almost more, like, feelings. Mm. Before, like, kind of as she enters her second trimester, the floodgates just, like, open and all of those memories come rushing back. Oh. And it's super intense. So at this point, we go into flashback mode. So like the first quarter of the book is all that. And then the middle 50% is all flashbacks. flashbacks. So now suddenly we're transported back to 2002. So we see like what are the pieces that she's been missing. And it also explains why Draco is acting the way that he is. Mm -hmm. Um, So for me, this is where it all starts to like hit a bit different. Um, We're in the middle of the war effort, 2002. Things are still traumatic as fuck, (laughs) but at least in like a war kind of way Uh and not in like a trapped and rapey kind of way. Um, And it kind of it is satisfying in a way because it like takes everything from the books that kind of made you go, hmm. And, like, blows it up times 100. So it's, mm. like, 
definitely addresses like Harry's narcissism and okay. his tendency to like mope around and make everything about him. Um, it addresses like Ron has anger issues and is really mm-hmm. reactionary, but it also like writes some things that I didn't like, especially about the movies, but even about the books and that like it gives Ron um, kind of a lot more agency and competency back like he okay. you know he's like the chess master right so he yeah. becomes like he's big in the order with strategy like you know planning raids and whatever and okay so that's all kind of satisfying and it is kind of it's just satisfying to see harry like be so obtuse and then pay the price for it you know yes okay yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um but then it's also hard to watch because all of your beloved characters are dying. But um, so we're in 2002. Hermione is like a fully trained healer at this point and is running the show. And it is like a much bigger thing than it was in the books. You know, there's like there's the order and then there's this huge like group of resistance fighters. Right. And they're talking about like hundreds of people and they're planning raids and they're trying to catch Death Eaters and release people from prisons and whatever. Mm-hmm. It's like a huge operation. Um, and there's lots of fighting. So like. Hermione's, like, in whatever, like, field hospital or safe house they have going at the time, um, trying to heal everybody. And this is where the, like, George R.R. R. Martin side of it comes in because the, like, torture and the shit the Death Eaters do is fucking real as shit. Like, it is intense. And, like, the worst thing they describe is how Colin Creevy dies. <gasps> from a flaying curse <gasps> oh that was very Game it's, of Thrones. <laughs> yes it is and so there's just like there's a lot of that it's really hard to read um but anyway so that's like what kind of set the scene for 2002 and all the flashbacks so draco reaches out to moody and kingsley shacklebolt who are like the heads of the order um and tells them that he wants to defect and turn spy for the order and in exchange, he wants a pardon after the war, and he wants Hermione Granger now and after the war. And that's it. He's like, I want her to be mine. Oh. And so they're like, hey, will you do this? Because why wouldn't you ask a 20-year-old girl if she's comfortable with this? Right. But, um, of course, she, like, wants to do anything she can, so she agrees. Um, and everyone is just, like, straight up assuming that Malfoy will want a sexual relationship with her as part of the deal, right? Um, they start meeting weekly to exchange the information he's providing them and basically give Draco whatever he wants to keep the information mm-hmm. flowing. Um, but he does not initiate a sexual relationship with her. And, in fact, his motives are extremely unclear. Like, he is just, mm. like, he is a wall of impenetrability. He, like, lets nothing go. He's just so hard to read. And, actually, that kind of thing kind of drives me crazy most of the time, but it's pretty compelling here. Um, and so he starts helping her with her occlumency because she's a natural occluman, so he helps her, like, learn how to protect her thoughts and memories mm. um and then he teaches her how to duel because she's been working in the hospital right. she like hasn't learned how to i mean they did like the da happened but she hasn't been fighting so she can no longer she's not like a competent fighter anymore okay so he teaches her how to do that again um and it's like a slow burn you know yeah but the way that they like lie to each other and themselves about the relationship that they're forming is really fascinating and compelling. Um, the story's told in third person, but we only get Hermione's inner life. So mm. we don't know what Draco's thinking. Okay. Um, and the way he's written just really drew me in. Uh, you can tell there's a lot going on back there, but like, like I said, you just can't figure out what his motivations are. Um, mm. It does drag on a bit. I mean, you know, 
I mean, that's a lot of words. Yes, in, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, there's no editor, right? This is right. fan fiction. So, like, <laughs> this is easily as good as many of the books I've read in the last year, but wow. could have okay. benefited from some editing down. Okay. Um, and so there is a little, there's a few times when I'm like, okay, okay we get it. Like, mm-hmm. I've been tortured enough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I still overall was just like, I enjoyed the slow build of their relationship. Um, and I've said many times on this podcast that I like hate it when one per- party of a relationship is like, oh, I can't share my secret. Oh, you know, it'll just hurt her so much. Uh-huh. Oh, my tortured past, whatever. But this time, it's like pretty real, you know, like uh-huh. the stakes are very high. And if anyone on either side figures out that they are forming a real attachment to each other, they totally could both be murdered. Right. So it does feel a little bit more like, it's justified. Yeah, it's done well, yes. sounds like. Yeah, it's not, like, annoying and self-centering. So, um, yeah, it worked for me. Um, so that's probably a good place to leave it because I don't want yeah, to get too re- much I mean, I would love to just have you tell me the entire story at this point. But. I really want to, but um, <laughs> I think it's funny because – no matter how much I, so I've told like my sister about this book and uh-huh. I was told about it and how dark it was and how crazy it was and I like told my sister like truly 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 this book will traumatize you so be really sure before yeah. you read it but it just makes everyone want to read it more <laughs> I, that, I mean I'm hooked <laughs> yeah it's I mean just be ready uh-huh. to be fully destroyed um so Watching them become something to each other uh, when they have literally nothing else, it's actually quite tender. Um, and even though they are, like, both so utterly fucked up after years of war, <laughs> their relationship, like, cannot be healthy because they are not healthy. I mean, yeah. Yeah. But it's it got me. So, um, anyway, because of Hermione's position in the Resistance, the book is missing a lot of the action that you get out of, like, the original series. Mm. And, like, all of my favorite romance novels, which are, like, swashbuckling, exciting, yeah. you know. So there is some of that missing. It's pretty dreary. Mm-hmm. Um, but the way the author makes you, like, sit with their anxiety and that tension and that despair is just, like, it really takes you there. So if you like stories that are really make you sit in your feelings and, like, so yeah, I you mean, will it's like such a, it, but... Like, yeah, romance tends to be more escapist exactly. of, your, of that kind of feeling. This is so not, that's so, yeah. yeah this is a book for when, you know, like, sometimes... I don't know about you, but sometimes I'm just like, I would like a good cry and I'll watch a sad movie or whatever. Oh, so sure. So when you're yeah. in that kind of zone where you're just like, oh, I just want to feel, you know, yeah. Yeah, sad, yeah, yeah. that's when you should read this book. <laughs> um, but yeah, just know that it does not let up. Like, okay. it is just, yeah. there is not a moment of happiness or peace that isn't stolen in like a five minute window between that does remind me of Game of Thrones very much. Yes. I remember reading the first one and just being like, what the fuck? Yes. Like, it's just like you think it's going to let set up you up for happiness and yeah. then they just nope. crush all your dreams. <laughs> yeah. So very, very much like that. Um, so if you're in the mood to get your shit wrecked, mm. go for it. Uh, okay. And it's, and it's free, right? It's so, free. I mean, you know? Yeah. You can download it on your Kindle too, which helped me. At first I was reading it on my phone and I hate that. Um, so. It slaps. There's like, it's just, it's good. I mm-hmm. can't, I wanted to be like, this isn't for me, but I couldn't fucking put it down. So, <laughs> okay. Ratings. Readability, I gave it a three. I almost gave it a four. Okay. It's 
good. It's, there are like almost no mistakes. Like it doesn't have that like fan fiction feeling, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, There are, like I said, there's books I've read this year that were not written as well. Do you know um, if this was written as like a, like in parts, like chapter by chapter. Yes, it was, and okay. I think it took like a year and a half or two years for it all to come for it out. All to okay, come out. that's interesting. I would expect there to be more like error, like you know, like yeah. I, if it came out all in one, I feel like that then it might be like more likely to have like continuity editing of some totally. kind. So that's interesting. The author was clearly editing every section before they released right. it, and they, it, the chapters are not long you know there's like 60 or 70 chapters Uh so it's they're not that long you know and so I think it was released in like pretty reasonable interesting yeah um sort of yeah sizes so but yeah well pretty well written um hotness four romance four Okay. I originally had it as a three but the more I sit with it and like process it (laughs) I'm like no, I mean, I buy it. Like, it is fucked up, but, like, that's realistic for the situation they're in. So. I really want to hear your content warnings now, though. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, overall, I gave it a three and a half. Okay, right. right. Um, but I, I'm, i like, already considering reading it again. I, like, I originally had it as all my ratings were lower originally, and I went back and revised them higher. Because the more I sit with mm. it, the more I realize that I. It's got you thinking. It's yes. got staying power. Yeah, man. Um, okay, so vibe check. Um, <laughs> major content warnings for rape, medical gore, forced pregnancy, torture, war, child death, severe weight loss, severe anxiety, self-harm, mental and emotional distress. Literally, I dare you to name a kind of trauma that is not in this book. Wow. <laughs> so, I mean, it's just, it is all there. Yeah. Uh, okay. Okay favorite line I had a really hard time with this this actually went way faster than I expected so that's good (laughs) I thought I was gonna be talking for like an hour um (laughs) okay I didn't want to give anything away so Mm -hmm. a lot of my favorite lines in fact the one that destroyed me more than anything (gasps) else I cannot say because it is a spoiler but I okay well (laughs) after we record this season and I have time to read this yeah Tell me. <laughs> You'll know when you read it. Um, anyway, so what I picked was one that I thought was kind of representative of the style of romance that it is to kind of give you the vibe. So <clears throat> this quote actually appears twice in the novel, and that is because when her memories first start mm-hmm. rushing back, you just get like she has like 10 memories that are just like little blips that hit her all at once, and then it goes to flashback. So this is one of the things that's oh, like wow. in her mind without context as her memories are flooding back in. It so I was like, it appears there and then it appears as it actually happened in the timeline during the flashbacks. Wow. Malfoy was standing over her, his face white, his eyes glittering with rage. I have warned you. If something happens to you, I will personally raise the entire order. That is not a threat. It is a promise. Consider your survival as much a necessity to the survival of the resistance as Potter's. If you die, I will kill every last one of them. Oh. <laughs> so, that's the vibe. <laughs> I did. Um, is this the cover art you were talking about? Actually, this one? Oh, it was this one. Actually. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm into but this. So it's got the like. Uh, the hoods and yeah, everything. Yeah. It's like they wear red robes. It literally, it's, it's very also, derivative. What is okay, that? Don't look at too many here. You'll give it away. <laughs> this 
don't Google image search search manacled. It yes. might be a spoiler. There are several spoilers, but the art is really. I, it, I do, it. you know, I re, I'm really, really into good. it too. Yeah, I like the black and white. Mm-hmm. It's very good. Mm. Okay, so for my deep dive, yes, I wanted to keep it a little bit light. Um, <laughs> all I had a very hard time choosing because I was like, "What is this book about?" Oh boy, <laughs> I can't talk about any of these things. Um, so what I decided to do last week, you did your deep dive on fan fiction. Mm-hmm. This week. I'm going to do my deep dive on Harry Potter fan fiction specifically. <laughs> so it's mostly just like a lot of numbers that I thought were funny. Um, so there are a whopping 339,497 Harry Potter fanfics on um, an archive of our own. And there are 260,000 on Wattpad. Those are just two of the biggest. What's Wattpad? It's another one, oh. same fan, like fan fiction site. There's also like fanfiction.net. There's uh-huh. so many, There's but these so are many. like the two big ones. Okay. Um, it is the top books and literature fandom on AO3, although it is not top overall, which I thought oh. it would be. So it is beat out by Marvel, like comic books. God, really? MCU, so Marvel movies. Okay. K-pop. Not surprising. That doesn't surprise yeah. me. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, slightly disturbingly, real people fan fiction. It's like about celebrities. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I checked that a little bit. A little bit, yeah. Um, okay, so, wait. Does yeah. AO3 have fan fictions in like all languages? I realized well, that didn't come up in my research. It does. So there's okay. all different kinds of stuff, but like most of them are translated versions of ones that are written in English. So there's like okay. 10 versions of Manacled. Oh, okay. Because it's been translated into a bunch of different languages. Okay, but there's not like a Korean version of AO3. No, I don't think so. Okay. Yeah. Um, but it does have a ton of different fandoms. Uh-huh. And there's, K-pop is like a huge mm-hmm. one. Um, there's like K-drama and stuff too. Okay. Um, I mean, Korea is like not far behind America in its output of pop culture. So oh, sure. So it totally makes sense. Yeah. Um, okay. So, just because I am one person and I am not a professional statistician, (laughs) I'm going to be focusing on the numbers just from AO3 um, because they're easily available and that website is very well tagged and organized. Mm -hmm. Um, So, to get a sense of what the most popular or most beloved ones are, I started sorting by kudos, like likes, um, and just went through all of the fix on the front page, which held 19. So, um, top Harry Potter fan fiction... Doesn't involve Harry at all because it's about the Marauders. It is called All the Young Dudes, which is hilarious. Um, And it is an absolutely insane 526,000 words, which is even longer than Manacled. Um, It's actually 526,969, which I thought (laughs) the author probably did on purpose. (laughs) Um, So it centers a relationship between Sirius and Remus. And it takes place between 1971 and 1995. So that's all the way up to Sirius' mm-hmm. death. Um, so of the 19 fanfics with the most kudos, here's how the central relationships are represented. They're not all romantic, but most are. 13 of the 19 are Draco and Harry. I love it. <laughs> Two of the 19 are Draco Hermione. People love Draco, man. I mean, I get it. I get it. (laughs) Um, Two of the 19 are Sirius Remus. And the last two of the 19 are Harry and Tom Riddle. 
So that one oh, was a okay. surprise. It's <laughs> like a time travel um, element yes, in there. there, there is. Um, so anyway, what I thought was kind of funny about that is that Draco and Harry are actually equally represented in that list because um, they each have uh, 15 fanfics in the top 19. I feel like that speaks more to just like how... I, I, like you you touched on it a little bit but like harry can be a little insufferable like, oh my god he is the worst okay, a lot insufferable <laughs> he's so annoying and also i mean not i think the books did a way better job but like the movies like um his relationship with jenny in the movies just leaves oh, it so is much to be desired so cringe well i think the and, problem is just that they totally fucked jenny in the oh movies. absolutely and totally i totally different I think they, like cut out a bunch of like there was more and they like cut yeah. it all for time because they like wanted to put a bunch of action and like yep, totally. appeal to the masses they need a that, scene but... where harry potter are like and tom riddle are like flying around in a weird cloud in the final oh, battle scene yeah. <laughs> like what the fuck even is that yeah, yeah. oh so, God, yeah so i feel like there's just it, like especially the movies they just left yeah. so much to like fill in those gaps yep. and for people to want to fix. And, Completely. Yeah. Yes. So, I, I mean, totally it's get that. no wonder that there are so many. Yeah. Um, so, and this uh, love for Draco bears out in the numbers for all the fanfics together. So, um, out of the 339, almost 340,000 Harry Potter fix, 53,308 are Draco Harry. 53,000. Yep. There God, are 53,000 stories <laughs> about Draco and Harry hooking up uh 28,000 are Sirius and Remus that is the second most popular pairing huh which is I mean obviously everyone knows Sirius is the hottest person in Harry Potter (laughs) but like anyway (laughs) that they're very popular and then the third most popular is Draco Hermione at 17,000 um Hmm. So the most popular characters overall, that is like the most tagged, are obviously Harry at number one. It's kind of hard to write fiction around Harry Potter without him at least being included. Yeah. <laughs> um, so he has 146,000 stories, tag uh-huh. Harry. 95,000, tag Hermione. She's the second most popular. 92,000, tag Draco. He's okay. the third most. Third. Fourth is Ron at 63,000. Fifth is Snape at 57,000. <laughs> Sirius is sixth. Is that right? Am I losing my numbers here? Um, at 56,000, then Remus at 53, and Dumbledore at a paltry 30,000. <laughs> um, so actually, I thought Snape would be better represented in all of these. Because um, Snape's one of my favorite characters. Yeah, I mean, I I would assume that there's like quite a lot... Um, like Snape, Snape Lily. Yeah. You know. I thought I would see that better represented. I will also say that uh, Manacled, the thing that like maybe took me out of it the most was when Snape dropped F-bombs. And I was like, no, no. that would never happen. <laughs> <laughs> Although he and Hermione had a really like sweet relationship. Like because okay. she like graduated and like became, mm-hmm. you know, a bigger part of the order. Yeah, they were, like, outcasts together. Because, obviously, like, everyone still hates Snape. Like, that's canon. (laughs) But he is an order (laughs) member. Um, Anyway. Okay, moving on. 
So some other interesting notes, um, like happy versus sad. So obviously this one was extremely dark and there are lots of others that are also extremely dark, but um, 53,000 of the fix are tagged as fluff um, and 49,900 are tagged with angst. So hmm. pretty even balance. <clears throat> In 1,241 of them, Voldemort wins. <laughs> Wait, that seems like a low percentage. I thought so, too. Yeah. yeah, it's not that many. Many of them are adult in theme, with at least 24,000 having graphic depictions of violence. Naturally. Harry dies in 295 of them. <laughs> um, anyway, that's all. I just thought it was kind of interesting to see the breakdown. Um this was a very new experience for me. I've yeah. never read fanfic before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I definitely like picked a big yeah, heavy you did, one. You. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I am looking forward to reading more of them. I actually already downloaded another uh, Hermione Draco one. I think this topic is ripe for a special where we both read the same thing. Like, I it's, would love that. It, I think it would be. Because it, it's like a little different. Like when we do novels, it's, it's more... You know, they're, they're like for profit and we're, you know, yeah. we're not going to have as many feelings about, you know. Totally. Well, and this is like, there's such a deep well to draw yeah. from, like in our own experience of reading them. Yeah. Um, that makes them so discussable. You right. Know? Yeah. 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 So I just, yeah. I want to read more of them. I, yeah. I, another thing that's really popular I noticed is like eighth year fix where like after the war, everyone goes back to redo their last year because oh, yeah. they spent it fighting Voldemort. Got to go back take those tests. Uh-huh. So anyway, that's definitely what I downloaded. But uh, I wanted something that was like a little bit lighter. <laughs> I couldn't do that. What this heavy of a thing again immediately. But yeah. Um, yeah. And then I've actually seen you can like order bound copies online. Oh, you can really? like go online and order your own any book like specially just bound printed. just okay. one copy mm-hmm. yeah um which like that speaks to my heart because I'm yeah. not a Kindle lover I like to hold my books mm-hmm. but um anyway so that's it all right great job that was really fun <laughs> thanks it was definitely it was a ride <laughs> all right this is two weeks in a row that I want to read what you read now so yeah man we've actually had a lot of good stuff lately yeah we need to read more trash <laughs> um all right well shall we take a quick break absolutely okay Are we ready? I'm ready. Round two. All right. So this week I kind of went back to like a classic modern romance. It was. I love it. Uh, okay. So it was It Happened One Summer by Tessa Bailey. Yes. I've heard of this one. Um, yeah. I think I feel like I saw it everywhere, especially it has like a Pacific Northwest um, setting. So I feel oh, like nice. we saw that everywhere. Yeah. Um, all right. Back of the book. <clears throat> Piper Bellinger is fashionable, influential, and her reputation as a wild child means the paparazzi are constantly on her heels. Oh, boy. When too much champagne and an out-of-control rooftop party lands Piper in the slammer, her stepfather <laughs> decides enough is enough, so he cuts her off and sends her, sends Piper and her sister to learn some responsibility running their late father's dive bar in Washington. Oh, boy. <laughs> Piper hasn't even been in Westport for five minutes when she meets big bearded sea captain Brendan <laughs> who thinks she won't who thinks she won't last a week outside of Beverly Hills so what if Piper can't do math and the idea of sleeping in a shabby apartment with bunk beds gives her the 
gives her hives. <laughs> How bad could it really be? She's determined to show her stepfather and the hot, grumpy local that she's more than a pretty face. Except it's a small town, and everywhere she turns, she bumps into Brendan. The fun-loving socialite and the gruff fisherman are polar opposites. But there's an undeniable attraction simmering between them. Piper doesn't want any distractions, especially feelings for a man who sails off into the sunset for weeks at a time. Yet as she reconnects with her past and begins to feel at home in Westport, Piper starts to wonder if the cold, glamorous life she knew is what it... Tr- is what she truly wants. L.A. is calling her name, but Brendan and this town full of memories may have already caught her heart. Oh. <laughs> okay, but like, how do I get a stepdad who sends me to work at a bar and puts my? I mean, okay, so yeah, it's so, like a little more context. The stepdad is like a big time, like, like I don't know if he's like a movie producer or something, mm-hmm. but he's like a like a billionaire. Like he completely yeah. has like funded her like social life yeah. for. She's I think she's supposed to be like twenty eight. Yeah, so she's oh, wow. had like okay. unlimited funds for yeah. it and like party girl like. <laughs> um and so there is I. I think it's in the book. Um, it must not not have been in the back of the book. Maybe it was in like the acknowledgments or something. But um, the Piper character was inspired by Alexis Rose in Schitt's Creek. So <gasps> oh, like, <fun. laughs> yeah, yep. like, okay, it's very totally that vibe. There. Yes. like I can like like yep. yeah, like I'm moving into casting. Like that is who Piper is. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah that actor's name is Annie Murphy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, <laughs> yes, and yeah, and that is an, an exactly who I imagined it as the entire time reading it. I mean, how, like, to hear her voice in your mm-hmm. head all that time. Perfect. <laughs> um, and then Brendan, which I just need, like, a si- I fucking hate the name Brendan. Like, yeah. it is grating. Yeah, like, I, it is not good. Um, I settled on Tom Hardy. Oh, okay. So I was trying to find, like, a little, a little gritty, yep. but, like intense eyes mm-hmm. kind of like you know like the emotional intelligence is there mm-hmm. in like a gritty uh capable um muscly it's a big old bear <laughs> a big yeah mm-hmm. um yes okay so main tropes um I kind of I so it's like fish out of water obviously like yeah. that parts um and then <laughs> That actually they mentioned it like in the book. I think she calls something he's doing that could be considered this, and I realized that that is exactly what this book is: capability porn. <laughs> oh my god, Where, that is such a great term, right? Yes, yeah, like um, Ron Swanson. Yeah, which is totally my jam. Yep. Um, <laughs> Weird how you married it. I know. <laughs> I told my husband constantly that I married him for his concrete skills. <laughs> <laughs> they come in handy when you own a house. So. I surprisingly all the time. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So overall thoughts, like, oh, God, I fucking love this book. I just, ah. like, adored it. It was so fun. It was, like, when I had to set it down, because I've, I've been, like, kind of busy and, like, had a hard time finding time mm-hmm. to read. Like, I was, like, thinking about it. It would just, yep. like, bring a smile to my face. Oh. Like, there's, like, fun, flirty moments. Like. Oh, God, I miss that feeling. Yeah. <laughs> um, definitely escapism. Like, yeah. 100%. There's no, like, there's <laughs> the part from the author at the back says she, like, wrote this in the middle of the pandemic as, like, an escape. And I'm yep. like, that is exactly what this is. Oh. Um, but I really enjoyed it. It was, like, very character-driven. Um, in the beginning, like, it did come on, like, really strong. Like, you, like it's set up to make you, like, kind of hate Piper at the beginning. Yeah. And, like, I totally do. Like, <laughs> um, And, like, it kind of, like, it kind of gets you the 
gives you the feeling of like she can do no wrong like just because she's like super hot like and like the same could be said which for is like Brendan of like but not they're kind of yeah, yeah they're like kind of assholes to each other but then like their inner monologues are just like noticing how hot the other one is I mean <laughs> I will say that I do love that yeah. dynamic of I like mean, in terms of hotness like it, it works yes. like flirting yeah. in a mean way is so hot <laughs> <laughs> yeah um and so and it wasn't really like a slow burn um I would say it was like the perfect balance of like giving you enough anticipation to like yeah. get really excited for it um but like it delivers like early and often and nice um yeah <laughs> um and I'd say that like if we go back to to my stated purpose for um getting back into reading romance yes. um and like starting the podcast Uh yeah um I would say that this book has probably done the most in that department like nice yeah starting the kindling if you will you know yeah it's um it's pretty hot um and I I mean it probably like speaks exactly to my particular set of preferences definitely written for you yeah (laughs) um but that is I mean that's awesome yeah I will say that my book also did that just because I needed a lot of hugs while I was reading it (laughs) good it's great for intimacy. <laughs> I mean, you know, you'd hope that like your childhood doesn't have to be ruined in order to. I mean, fair point. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. And all right. Yeah. I don't. I don't have a lot more. Ex- I like. I. It's really hard not to spoil. Yeah. And it, like it's. It's a quick read. Um, mm-hmm. Light and fluffy. Um, I did come across this. So I was like looking it up on Goodreads um, and there is already a second book planned um, slash possibly already released. So it's not released, released like it's not supposed to be released till March of 2022. Mm -hmm. Um, But on Goodreads, it already has like a thousand plus reviews. People... First and, of all, people definitely write reviews of books they're just excited about but haven't read yet. Okay. But also, um, a lot of people will get the like, ARC copies, which are like, out early. like, it's, three months away. How they, does it already have over a thousand people? Like, over a people thousand get them, people? like, six months early. Got it. Yeah. How do we get on that list? Well, literally, <laughs> we can make that happen. We just need to get people to listen to our podcast. <laughs> I actually know someone who um, is does a lot of like romance reviews on her Instagram. Oh and yeah. And she gets free copies yeah. from Avon all the time. For some reason it's way easier to do this podcast than it is to like write out a review on Goodreads. I like know. I don't like I just want to talk about it. I don't want to Talking is easier than yeah. writing. Even though I wrote like 3000 <laughs> words this week. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Um okay, I think that's all I'm going to say about it. It I really loved it. You should definitely read it. Um it, yes. Uh, all right. I'll get to my ratings. Um, okay. Readability, totally five. Like, I like if I had had yeah. more time, I would have breezed through it in, like, a couple of hours. Yeah. It was yeah. perfect. Can like, do it in one sitting. Yeah. yeah. Hotness, 4.5. I mean, it sounds yeah. like it was doing it for you. Um, romance was, like, astonishingly also a 4.5. Like, it was also Damn. very, like, there's this little thing where she, like, talks about when she's getting a hug from him that it's her recharge or her recharge station and I'm like it's yeah I know I'm barfing a little bit I know (laughs) but it's balanced with some like really hot sort of kinky sex no I um I went with overall 4.75 I couldn't do a five like it's just you know there's 
there's room for more. You gotta save it. You gotta, you gotta save, save it. it. Yeah, but um, I don't like. I think my previous favorite was the Love Hypothesis, and mm-hmm. I I can't remember what I rated that, but like this is, I think I might have liked this a little bit more or just Ooh. as much. Yeah. Um, vibe check content warnings. Totally white as fuck. White yeah. as a fucking Hallmark I mean, it movie. Takes place in Washington. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Small town Washington. Small yeah. town Washington. Um, content warnings. There are a few like death of a parent, death of a main character, spouse in the past, loss of an adult child. So there, like, there are some deaths in this, and so they okay. and they do kind of like get into like the grief mm-hmm. based from like different perspectives. So, um, and then also I. I put like consensual rough sex. Like I think that's it's like a little vague, but it covers a lot of bases and yeah. so yeah. you know, if that's not your thing, you will not like this book. Um all right, favorite line. Oh boy. <laughs> uh okay. It's not like you'd let it get serious. You'd keep it casual. Yes, she would. But would Brendan Builds a pergola guy didn't seem like a casual type, and his lack of a wedding ring was almost more of a presence than the actual ring had been. Every time their eyes met, a hot shiver roared down her spine, because there was a promise there. But also, patience, maturity. Had she ever dated a real man before, or had they all been boys? (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, I'm going to go move on to my deep dive now. Okay. Um, So, I'm... So my deep dive is like kind of a little bit of like fact checking the like okay. some different things about the book because there were a few things where I was like that's not real but it kind of ended up being that like most of them were actually pretty fucking accurate. Are they sex things? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> no, that's okay. They're like it's just fishing things. <laughs> that's so funny. So I just have already learned so much that I thought was not real from romance books. I know. That actually, is real for some people, and I was like, ah, oh. <laughs> it's so fascinating. Yeah. Um. Okay. So this book is set in Westport, Washington, which I assumed was a fictional town it is not it's a real town (laughs) so is it coastal yes um so uh so it's located in gray's harbor in washington so washington state the western part the olympic peninsula Mm -hmm. ends in the salish sea across from which is vancouver island canada so if you go down the west coast um it's like halfway there's gray's harbor and then westport is at the tip of the southern peninsula that covers the bay um Okay, uh, I, I do need to like, um, oh, it's uh, it's about 75 miles south of Forks, Washington. I was just going to say, <laughs> literally all I can think about right now is Forks, Washington. Yeah, um, but then also about 50 miles west of Olympia. So cool. Okay. Yeah. center you there. Yeah. Um, okay, and I had to sneak in a little geology here. So Gray's Harbor, um, which I actually visited on a geology field trip in grad school. <laughs> so, Did you bang a hot Tom Hardy type there? <laughs> No. No. <laughs> um, or did I? No, or I did you? <laughs> um, okay. So it is, so Grace Harbor is what's called a rhea. So it's a coastal inlet formed by the partial submergence of an unglaciated river valley. So basically there's like glacier, glacier melts, sea level yep. rises. So there's an old river valley there that gets like okay. flooded. Okay. So it's called a rhea. Um did not know that. So it was formed at the end of the last glacial period, about 11,700 years ago. Um, and this is at the end of the Chehalis River. Um, so rias typically have like a dendritic or like tree-like outline. Um, and they tend to extend like quite a distance from 
um, inland and they're uh, sort of like irregular shape um, and they typically have like a very large estuary area with like a small insignificant river because if they were formed in like a big river they would be inundated with sediment Okay. So it's kind of, so that's like painting a little picture. And actually, um, on the field trip that we went, you can like walk out on it during low tide and it's just like super yeah. muddy and there's like tons of like sea life and everything. It's very, I don't know. It's very, it's very interesting. It's very West coast, Northwest coast. Yes. And yeah. it, it does kind of have that like forks, mm-hmm. uh, twilight vibe, mm-hmm. vibey feeling. Yeah. Like very yeah, green and misty and misty, moist. Misty, yep. <laughs> Sorry, guys. <Kyle. laughs> <laughs> Um, and I also have to just put in this tidbit here, um, Grace Harbor is named for Robert Gray. Oh boy. <laughs> Our dear old friend. Uh, yes. Um, middle school namesake. I just yes. assumed like all <clears throat> white men who have things named after them that he's probably <clears throat> terrible, but I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Um, I actually put in my notes here. So it, it wasn't named by Robert Gray. It was named by George Vancouver after Robert Gray. Mm-hmm. So, but then I wrote in here, blah, blah, blah. Do all these facts about white men exploring lands that have been <laughs> inhabited for thousands of years actually matter? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> nicely put. Very nicely put. Okay. So some of the other fact checking here is Brendan is an, he's a fisherman. And then he talks about like, crab season in like Alaska and so I kind of like assumed that that like happened all the time and like I know from like deadliest catch it's like the most dangerous whatever job crab you know deadliest catch yeah in Alaska? Oh, um have you seen the show deadliest no, catch watch no reality TV I've <laughs> never seen it either but I've like heard of it yeah um so I like looked into crab uh fishing a little bit and it turns out so it is one of the most dangerous jobs in the world but it's also like possibly has like one of the best pays really so for like a small amount of time like oh god like basically per hour it's a lot yes and i'll get into it so um crab season is during like the fall and winter i mean it can be like a few days or a few weeks depending on the year it's like very seasonal you have to like watch the tides and the blah 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 and i didn't get that deep into it okay um, but so, and to do like deep sea crab fishing, they, they use like giant crab pots that are like 800 pounds made out of steel. Um, they drop them into the Bering Sea. Whoa. So like, that's part of what makes it so dangerous. Like they can get caught in the lines. Plus it requires working very close to the edge of the boat. So you can be like swept off. <laughs> um, and then less the fact that it's in the winter. So like frigid, icy waters, like hypothermia sets in, oh in like minutes, um, and storms are very are like more frequent in the winter than in the summer. And then plus the fact that like the season can be very short means that they're all fishing out there and like very like hectic. Like they want to like get like out everyone's there, and they get out it there done. trying to get it done. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and also in the winter, there's not a lot of daylight. I that was far just going to say it's yeah, dark it's all like the time. Hours, yeah. um, and they can work 18 to 20 hours a day. So they're rushing. They're exhausted. It's like recipe fucking disaster. Like Yes. Cold, frigid death. But people Titanic love crabs. So. I mean, I love crab. Okay. Yeah. And so, like, there is an opportunity for a high payout. Um, so it is – it kind of seems like a gamble because it, it, like, the season can be very unpredictable and it all depends on, you know, like, how much you bring in, how much you get paid. Um, so in 2006, apparently there were – 505 commercial Alaskan fishermen that made more than 127 million gross. 
So what is that on average? Then? So that averages to $250,000 per person or worker. Damn. Um, I mean, surely and it's, it's like only, the person who owns the boat makes a lot of that's money. That's my next yeah. line. But um, <laughs> yeah, so that's average. And like, so the season is only a couple weeks. It's like maybe a couple months. So like for working a couple of weeks, earning $250,000 on average is... <sighs> I mean, that's great. I mean, you're risking your the, life. Yes. But. I'm like, I don't know. I might rather live and have less money. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, obviously, because that's what I'm doing. Um, yeah. So, and yeah, like I said, um, the captain um, and the owner of the boat typically take like half of the earnings and then like a usual crew member would make 1.5 to 10% of the profit, depending on experience. Okay. So... Um, okay. And, um, so things are becoming more safe. So this actually came up in the book too, that I was like curious about is like, they have this whole little like romantic moment where she's like, I don't want to fall in love with you because I don't want to be the wife of a fisherman and like constantly worried about you. You're going to mm-hmm. leave for weeks at a time. Yep. She was like, Might I don't want that. Yeah. yeah. And he's like, no, it's not that bad anymore. And I was like, mm, is it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it is becoming more safe. So, um, between 1990 and 2014, which is the data I could find, okay. um, fatalities have decreased by 74%. Oh. But, and so, like, the last, so they, like, grouped this data sort of strangely, and I couldn't find, like, hard numbers, but between 2010 and 2014, which is, like, the most recent mm-hmm. period, um, there were still 45 fatalities. Damn. Which, how many... Fishermen, did you say there were fish? Five hundred and something. So I mean, that's two thousand six. So it's, uh, yeah, the numbers were a little, and I think there is probably like not a lot of data because it's not so, like you. Yeah, no, that's. I mean, it's a really small sample size, regardless. But so there's five hundred some total people fishing, and how many deaths? Forty five for those five years. Okay. So in five years, there were 45. Yeah. So not an average of 45 a year. No, 45 total. I was like, that's 5%. (laughs) Yeah. I think it ended up being, there was 10%. One article said it was like 0.1% or something like in any given, was like your chances of dying in any given year. So that is, that's still like higher than most jobs, obviously. I mean, maybe. I'm probably like more likely to die in a car accident on my way to work. Yeah. Yeah. But that wouldn't be considered like a workplace injury you know like i'm sure they have just as much of a chance of dying on their way to driving to the boat or whatever you know so okay fair point um and they so and they did have like a little breakdown of like what caused the fatalities so 33 percent were caused by vessel disasters like sinking capsizing fires yeah vessel disaster and then 31 percent um were caused by falls overboard but they did find out that of all the victims of that were killed by falling overboard none of them were wearing pfds so like okay people aren't i mean so they get comfortable are, they don't fall there the are rules. people who yeah. fa- fall off and don't die because they're because wearing they're wearing PFD. pfds yeah. yeah or like and maybe some that weren't wearing pfds survived but all of those that passed away were not wearing pfds yeah okay so that's like that's kind of like preventable at that point it's like just wear the fucking pfd like yeah. <laughs> Um, and then 26% were caused by onboard injuries. Yeah. I mean, it just is like hard physical labor with heavy equipment around. Yeah. Um, 
Anyway, okay, and then... Or was it crab bites? Just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Pinchers. Okay, and so then my last fact check that I wanted to do is, like, they... So Piper's father is the one who died in the book. You find out about that right at the beginning. okay, got it. So, like, that's... Her father died when she was, like, really little, and so that's why her mom left with her and her sister and, like, didn't come back. Um, So they said that, like, her how he died was like a rogue wave quote unquote swept him overboard and I was like is that real is a rogue wave a real wait, thing wait so her dad died that way mm-hmm. Ooh, no wonder she was worried about Tom Hardy man right his name again <laughs> Brandon Bren- Bren- Brendan oh Brendan even yeah, worse I know yeah. yeah okay so rogue waves are real <laughs> Okay. And so um, I found this whole article about them. Um, So a true rogue wave is an unpredictable, oh, is unpredictable and seemingly comes out of nowhere. Um, So like strong storms, like hurricanes can cause large waves, but those tend to be like predictable and regular. It's like windy Um, and stormy. and Yeah. And then like large waves, like a tsunami can also be caused by an earthquake, a landslide, um, glacial calving. But again, like... You might not be able to prevent or predict like, when that is going to happen, but like once it happens, you know where it's going to go and yeah, basically and it's what like it's going to do for a reason, and you can like see it coming or see that it's going to happen. Yes. So rogue waves are different than that. Um, so they have no known cause, and they are significantly larger than any other waves occurring in the area at the same time. So they would be described as as like 50 to 30% larger than the expected size waves. Mm-hmm. Um, and they are also known to be like steeper than other waves. So they're often described as a wall of water or like looking like a cliff that came out of oh nowhere. God. It's like an ocean geyser. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and although, so like attempts have been made to study them, but there has never been like an actual documentation of the like the formation and following of a rogue wave, like through its entire cycle. Yeah. Um, so, and there are like rare photographs and like some footage of them hitting boats, apparently in season two of Deadliest Catch, like they kind of like caught one of these waves on, yeah. And like, there were apparently like no serious injuries, but like the boat was like destroyed. They had to like go back to shore and stuff. Um, and so for a long time, the best evidence, um, of these waves were the countless stories of the sailors who survived them. Mm -hmm. Um, and so there are theories about what caused them um and like the problem is that there's like so many factors that go into like what yeah. causes I waves just feel like it could be like any like they probably have different causes right yeah based on like whatever's happening with the weather and underwater and like yeah yeah, yeah. so uh, some of the things that go into what causes um like wave height is like depth of water tidal forces wind obstructions such as like islands and um, stuff like that, uh, currents and temperatures. Um, so like modeling waves is like extremely complex, but meteorologists do, uh, predict and report, um, like a, a, it's called a significant wave height. So it's like, it's the height of like the highest one third of waves. So like, that's like a known thing. Like if you go on like a cruise ship or like shipping, you know, like they know and they design for those things. Yeah. Um, but they don't like, they don't design or they don't account for these like supposed rogue mm-hmm. waves. So two theories for what causes them. One is ocean currents. So they think that like powerful storms, like pushing waves 
um, up against these like currents. It's like creates this like piling up effect. So yep. they think that that could cause it. And like all Fucking of a sudden they're like tectonics overlapping. In the water. Yeah. And there's like a huge wave and then like off it goes. Um, and areas where there are strong currents are areas where rogue waves are sometimes recorded. Like oh. the Bermuda, Bermuda Triangle is actually one of them. So I thought that was interesting. Um, and then the other theory is that it's just caused by randomly occurring wave reinforcement. Basically, like, a five-foot wave meets another five-foot wave. It makes a ten-foot wave, just like in the yeah. perfect thing. But yeah. if a five-foot wave meets a five-foot trough, it, like, cancels itself yeah. out. Yeah. And then if ten five-foot waves happen to meet each other, it's a 50-foot wave, <laughs> oh you know? Yeah. So um, I, I think, yeah, like, both of those seem like they could be, like, causing these things at, like, yeah. different times. Totally. Um, so we don't know. Um, but starting in 1990, they started, um, there were like more methods of like measuring these things um, put into place. And scientists are thinking that like these waves are actually way more common than we thought. And like to me, that kind of makes sense. It's like sort of like the randomness of all this ocean happening. Yeah. And like it, obviously, it's going to happen, you know, and like people are not around for like 90% yes, of the ocean, the ocean all the time. Yes, because the ocean is empty of boats. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, so several examples of large waves recorded in instruments. 1995, an offshore oil rig was measuring waves at like 16 to 20 feet, and then suddenly it measured a wave at like 66 feet, and then was like gone. Can you even? I just, like, I know <laughs> this is normal, like the 16-foot swells kind uh-huh. of deal in the middle oh, of the ocean. Yeah. But I cannot comprehend what that must no, be like. And Honestly, like, this is actually, like, I can't believe I sort of did this deep dive because I have, like, a sort of fear of drowning. Like, yes. like specifically being, like, stuck in a boat in ocean water is, like, a very particular yes. and, like, fear water getting mine. in the boat and you drowning. Yes. 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 Just being stuck, like, not yeah. being able to get. Have anyway. you seen the videos of, like the boat like just a regular big fishing boat out in the ocean and how the swells affect it like they have everything is bolted down and like not just bolted down but like you know the paper towels will be like velcroed to the counter yes and so you can see videos of like the inside Mm -hmm. of the boat and like everything is mostly staying where it is but you can feel the sense of movement and then the people are like sliding everywhere because of like it goes fucking sideways like 90 degrees yes yeah it it's like the kind of video that like gives me anxiety but like I can't look away and I want to see it (laughs) I want to see it from the outside of the boat I want to see it from the inside of the boat I never want to be there absolutely (laughs) yeah all right I just have like two things left um so the other uh like evidence for these waves being more common um than people originally thought um, oh, wait, there's two more. Uh, weather buoys in Canada near Vancouver Island um, measured waves 100 feet and higher throughout the 1990s. So, like, they were installed, and then all of a sudden they were like, oh, shit, we're measuring 100-foot waves. Like, all like, the time. Like, <laughs> freak, not, I, it didn't say how frequently, but, like, more than, than expected, once. Than expected, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then in 2004, European space, the European Space Agency used data from, like, radar satellites um, that were taking pictures of, like, worldwide oceans. And they found 10 waves measuring 82 feet or higher in just three weeks' time. Wow. So, um, yeah. Um, and then satellite pictures? <laughs> no. I don't, yeah, I don't know the details of how that data was processed. But, yeah. Um, 
Yeah, so I think it's just my last little bit here is like it used to be assumed that like sailors' tales of huge waves were like yeah. embellished. And, I'm sure you know, it's like the crew comes home, they tell yeah. the now widow, "Oh, your husband was washed overboard," and she's like, "Uh huh." <laughs> right. I mean, you yeah. know, yeah. But um, it kind of seems like maybe that experience should be validated, and it's yes. yeah, maybe it does happen. So, scary. so yeah. Anyway, that's. That's my deep dive. Great job. <laughs> um, that actually got me out of my Dramione funk there for a minute. Yes. Like, my book was total escapism, fun. Yes. Read it to cleanse your palate after I too. I feel dark like fan fiction. I'm not quite ready yet. I need to do a little bit more processing. I'm going to try really hard not to just immediately reread it. I just can't get it out of my head. But <laughs> anyway. Do you know what you are reading next week? I do know. Okay. Yeah. Um, I guess I haven't been heard enough yet because I'm going <laughs> to read my first Colleen Hoover book. Oh. Um, so I'm reading It Ends With Us. Mm. Um, so. I'm getting a Steel Magnolias vibe from that cover. This cover is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I hadn't decided. I guess I'm going to read. I found this in a little free library on my street. I posted oh, about it on Instagram. It yeah, I think I'm going to read. Um, it's called The Right Time by Danielle Steele. So I think this is like a classic. It's very 90s looking. And Danielle Steele is like a. I've never read one, but obviously neither. she's ubiquitous. ubiquitous. I, yeah, I'm very That's... interested to see. Yeah. How it holds up. Probably if, not yeah. great. I can't not wait great. to hear about Yeah, it. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. All right. Cool. All right. We'll see you next week. See ya. Bye. <laughs>